you're looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hi, welcome to the Stitchcraft Podcast. Hello. <laughs> We're already talking like sisters who don't run a podcast by talking yes. ahead. Um, Episode number. My... We're still here. We're alive. <laughs> it's still 2022. Yes. I like how that. you had to like think about it. But you're like, is it 2022? Like you could see the math rolling in your head. You literally saw the gears turn and like you saw that maybe a screw forgot to get put back in and it might <laughs> fall apart. But it did click over to 2022. And um, just as a reminder for people, like a lot of people who have a hard time with um, the year, like they always write the wrong year, like last year on their checks. If you still write checks, I guess, am I a millennial? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> but my problem is because I work ahead of schedule for trend, I write the wrong future year on oh. everything. So it's really dumb. That's that a funny that. problem to have. It is. I'm like future dating all my checks and then I'm like, fuck, they need to be able to cash them. <laughs> <laughs> While while you we're can... on the problem, while we're on the the topic of um, things that you do, it'd probably be good to tell the people who you are. Yeah, let's let's go there. I really like this string linear, <laughs> this chaos bullshit. Anyways, I don't know what I'm saying. My name is Miranda. I am the sister on the Stitchcraft Sisters podcast. The only you... sister. The other one's not. A the sister. only sister. The other one is just a friend. Just a friend. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Isla. <laughs> I'm Island. I'm the older sister. I'm the sister in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And um, here we are. I hate how this whole podcast is starting, but you know what? Progress over perfection. <laughs> we haven't done this in a really long time. That is correct. Um, so yes, you're in Iowa. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes. So we're... Here we are. I'm assuming that anybody who is listening to this has heard us a million times before, but I also thought manners are appropriate, given our long absence. (laughs) It is true. Um, Well, I'm going to kick it off with what's in your cup, because I just saw you take a sip. Yes. um, I am trying something kind of um, spur of the moment. I haven't done, I haven't had this before. I got um, a bunch of these mixers from a local store here that I've probably given a gold star to before called Basic Goods. And Basic Goods has sort of a rotating um, collection of mixers and non-alcoholic beverages, uh, many of which are very good on their own, um, but some of them are sort of designed to be mixed with alcohol. And this one in particular is, it's called Avec, which is French for with, so it's a mixer. Cute. (laughs) And uh, this one is their jalapeno and blood orange flavor. And it's, as you would imagine, sounds like it would go really nicely with uh, tequila or mezcal. And the other thing they suggest is vodka, but like vodka is for people who are trying not to taste what they're drinking. Um, So (laughs) I'm... Because I have opinions. Um, yeah, sure. They're, they're coming in hot. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the only way they come in. Um, so I mixed it with mezcal, and I did not put a lot of mezcal in it. Like, I put, it's probably like a, an ounce of mezcal and maybe like three ounces of the mixer, something like that. Um, it tastes really medicinal. I'm not a fan. Like, oh, no. 
I think it's because all of these things that Avec um, mixers, they're meant to be like not super high in sugar, which I get, right? Because your alcohol already has sugar in it. And a lot of mixers, like if you go to the grocery store and you buy like old fashioned mix or something like that, like it is a lot of sugar. So I understand yeah. the space in the market for something that is low sugar. Mm -hmm. I think this is too low sugar. <laughs> I think it's not enough. Well, you and know? there is something to be said about like, it needs to be a harmonious drink. Like mm -hmm. when you go to a shitty bar and you get, you ask for an old fashioned or a whiskey sour, like that's a guaranteed sugary drink versus mm -hmm. if you go to a cocktail bar where there's a mixologist or whatever they call themselves, drink artist. I don't know. I'm just being insane. A, a bar Easter. <laughs> I mean, it's nobody. It's up that. there with a. I think someone told me that there's like a. Is it a beer tender? Yes. When you work at a tap room, and I was like, No, of course there's a special name. Okay, absolutely. Anyways, not. but the point is, I do think sometimes you need sugar because it's also supposed to be enjoyed. When I think about cocktails, I do like having some sugar in there because I think of it as a digestive, right? Like it's supposed to be a dessert, or it's supposed to be something to like bring you down a bit. So I just personally feel like the sugar, not saying the, we need a ton, but yeah, sometimes you need me. a little. And I think, and the mezcal that I'm using is not, um, very smooth. It's not like a super intense mezcal. It's the Montalobos, um, mezcal, which is an organic mezcal. So it's a little smoky, but it's not like, it's not over the top, right? It's not like, it's not a mezcal that you, um, drink on a dare and then tell everybody you really loved. Like it's very easy drinking. <laughs> um, on a dare. Wow. <laughs> but I thought it would go really well with this because, um, I think I may have mentioned that I have most of my life not really enjoyed mezcal or tequila. And then when I went to Puerto Rico, um, for a family wedding, um, I went to a bar and I specifically ordered a mezcal drink because I didn't want to drink very fast. And I was like, okay, well, if I get this and it's delicious, I still won't drink it fast. And if I don't love it, I won't drink it fast. And I loved it. It was delicious. <laughs> and it was because it had, I'd, every other uh, mezcal drink that I had tried had been like, I don't know, like really heavy on the mezcal, like, like focusing on, on as a feature rather than pairing it with citrus where you put the two together and it sort of tastes like grilled citrus because it's got that smokiness to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so since then, I have enjoyed it so long as I have it in drinks where um, that flavor profile goes together in my brain. So I thought this one, because it's blood orange, would be like that. But again, blood orange is more tart than sweet. And I wonder if I just picked wrong, even though I, I had good logic for it, right? Well, and I personally sometimes think of blood orange and regular orange, any certain kinds, if any kind of citrus, I'll, you don't know how sugary they're going to make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I say sugary, but obviously this is put into a mix, not the orange itself, you know? So it's, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a toss up. Yeah. It so, you know, this is, I, I did it. I won't do it again. Um, it's okay. <laughs> My uh, my boyfriend Dave and I call this uh, drinking our medicine. Like sometimes we buy something because we're really excited about it. We have this really great idea. And then 
we have to take our medicine and we have to drink this medicine and we have to finish it so that we learn our lessons. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> Sometimes we don't. But there's this something about like, we just don't want to be wasteful and you're like, well, it'll still work. But that's also why I have like the largest beer collection of singles that I, of anyone else I know. Like everyone knows that I have a, a orphaned uh, drawer <laughs> filled with things that who knows if it's good or not, but someone else didn't someone like not. it. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, yeah. What are you having? What's in your cup? Well, I invited Dave over prior to this so that we could make a cocktail together. Ooh. But I was also in the process of making multiple food items. So I don't know if it was as uh, as thoughtful, but we just had old fashioned. So, like, nice. he and I are really into, like, just a classic old fashioned. Um, we usually use makers. Um, Luxardo cherries, duh, and simple syrup. But we, I'm trying to remember the bitters, the brand of bitters we're using. They have, it's a brand that if I say it, most people will, I think it's Bitter Cube maybe. But um, anyways, they have a, a bitter called Jamaican number two. And I also bought number one. Um, just in case, you know, it's not like Kiehl's number two, but, um, like there's no other ones that exist anymore. But, right. Like yeah, Hamburg in number two is the only one that exists. Right. <laughs> so that's just what we made and it was good. And then because I really just still need to cook tonight, um, I've switched over to beer. So I'm having, um, War Pigs, which is McKellar and Three Floyds brewing. Um, I'm having their Foggy Geezer. Which, Which I feel a, like is your, I wouldn't call it your daily driver because you don't drink it every day, but you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it is, like a it lot is of like people my, have like their, their go-to regular thing that they just mm-hmm. know what it is and I, they'll be in a mood for it, you know? I really feel silly saying that this hazy IPA is like my daily driver, but it is like, I just, it, they sell it next door. I know it's really good and I know it's what I want. And you don't need to drink a ton of them or anything like that. But I love the flavor every time. The flavor and every is t- really good. It's really and good. It's a, little, it's a little fruitier. Um, I I didn't know this, but other people get um, heartburn from hazy IPAs. I um, have had f- that issue a couple of times. I don't know what it is in it that does that. Because alcohol in general can do that, right? Right. But... I have had a couple times, I've had that, and I've also had some times where um, I get, uh, it's like I feel like I'm having allergies, but I'm not having an allergy yeah. attack. It like just makes the roof on my mouth itch. It's so mm. weird. Anyway, I interrupted. Oh, no. I just like, I definitely have gotten it from drinking, just drinking in general. But I usually, like, I don't get indigestion a ton, but I've noticed it more from red wine recently, so more acidic things. But when a coworker of mine was like, oh, I can only have one hazy IPA, everything else, I can I can drink everything else, but I can only have one hazy IPA because I just like get, uh, uh, what's it, gas, uh, what's the word, flux. Oh, reflux. Reflux, gas, uh, acid reflux or whatever. And I was like, dang. So it's just something that I was like, oh, maybe even though this is my common beer that I always have in my fridge, I feel like um, once... And this guy's weight like 10, 15 years younger than me. So when he told me that, I was like, oh, maybe I need to have some light beer for you little bitches. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> for your weak sauce. 
sorry, you don't have a better constitution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looks like a personal problem. Um, I sound terrible. Like, absolutely, I've had um, heartburn or something from from drinking. So I'm not going to act like I'm above this or I'm super healthy. That's not it at all. But, um, but yeah, once he told me that, I was like, hmm. I wonder if that's like just a him problem or other people problem. But I think hazy IPAs from what he said, cause he also is a brewer. He uh, like a home brewer. He was just saying, cause it's not filtered. So there's just more stuff in general that's still there. So I was like, got it. So if you have a certain allergy, that could be an issue. Like kind of like how, um, I know a lot of people can't have those milkshake beers, things mm-hmm. like with lactose, even though they're delicious. So good. Um, and, if I have one, I've had a couple like surprise moments with those. Like, I need to go home. I need to go home. I need to be in the comfort of my own home with those beers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one at the bar, but I can't be like, pounding them. I found that out. Gotta go. Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. I'm sure you really miss this TMI situation. Um, anyway, I feel like I have no idea when we recorded last. So None. I feel like... Half of my work's in progress I can talk about. Some I'm like, oh, they're done now. Um, well, that, so, that's a finished object. It's a faux. Oh. <laughs> it's a faux. As opposed to an unfinished object, a UFO. I've never heard that. That's you haven't? <laughs> no, I really like that. Um, well, yeah, there, there like are whips, s- works in progress. Right. UFOs, unfinished objects. Oh my God. I just explained um, second sock syndrome to Dave the other day mm-hmm. because he's working on something and he's like, I'm trying so hard to finish this, but I just want to start something else. And I was like, second sock syndrome. And he was like, what? And I was like, this is known in the knitting community. <laughs> and I was like, but I think that's everyone's problem. No one wants to finish anything. Well, I, um, think, I think people want to finish things, but I think that when you are um, making something and you get to the point where there's like two, like a, this is what socks are, but like there's a lot of things like this where like you you can see the finish line, but you have to do something that you already did. You have to repeat it to get to there. And you're like, but I, it's not new. It's not exciting. I want a new thing. I feel like this is a very bit of a stretch and I have not trained to run in over a decade. So I'm just... Everyone who might run might hate me, especially like your friends who just did the New York Marathon. So um, I'll say this, though, like people back in the day, I don't know if they still do this or not. But when you train for a marathon, you don't actually ever run the full marathon until the day of. Right. Because I think that's still true. Because it's just kind of a you can train like your body is your body. It's going to get you there if you follow your schedule or you follow your group or whatever. But um, there is something about like once you hit if you try to run a marathon before you do a marathon, you're going to psych yourself out. And repeating that is really hard. Mm. Um, especially cause it's like, you haven't been on that course and you might, you might compare your past performance to the current performance and really like get in your own way. So I think humans have a tendency to just not want to have to do it again. Yeah. But Enough of that. Uh, I'm sure everyone's like, shut up, you two. Miranda Miranda and Island have Pelotons and they're drinking beer. So I'm not an athlete. <laughs> but I, here I am going, I've heard this. <laughs> I've only ran Beta Breakers. So I'm not going to act like I've done anything else. I haven't even done that. 
Well, and Bade Breakers is like mainly a party, so let's be real. Um, that's what Ragbri is, but no, you don't hear anybody saying that that's not a bike ride. True. There are real serious athletes at those places. And there are serious ones at Bade Breakers, too. They just are there for the start times that are hella early in the morning because they actually need those, uh, what's the word? The um, You need to qualify yeah. for additional races, so you have to have you know, national races and stuff. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking. Tell me about what you're working on or what you completed. Um, I do not know all the things that I completed. I don't think I completed Mm. a whole lot, but I did finish. I I started a hat with this yarn and then I did not love the hat. So I unraveled it. Um, The hat pattern was fine. The yarn is beautiful. It was just a bad pairing. Oh, that's disappointing. It is. It is. But but lessons. All you know, way. it is what it is. <laughs> um, so I unraveled all of that, and I and the, and the hat that I've been making is called the one that I had been making is called the Oriole, A U R E O L E. It was from the not the most recent pom pom because that just came out, but the one before that, and it was a crochet pattern. I don't remember the the um, designer's name, but the pattern is beautiful, and it sort of makes these this leaf motif that you could also think of as maybe like a, um, like a peacock kind of looking motif thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pattern or the the um, magazine photos, the pattern photos were done. The samples were in a solid yarn that was really beautifully hand dyed. So it was like tonal and it had lots of depth to it without, like basically the yarn wasn't gonna distract you from the pattern. And the yarn that I had chosen was a speckled yarn and I thought it would work, but the speckles were too big. And so it just made it look like um, polka dotted, but in a big way. And that was just, you can't mix those two things together. So anyway, so I unraveled it and I instead made the, I think it's just called the lovely ribbed hat by Pearl Soho. So it's a free pattern. Oh, it's beautiful. I can't wait for your, I don't know if you already put a photo on the feed or not, but I think that I don't think I the, did. the speckles on that match that rib beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, that looks good. That yeah. Looks it turned out really well. So this is, like I said, it's a free pattern on Pearl Soho. Um, <clears throat> and the yarn is Pearl Kitten. Um, squishy four ply in um, bad unicorn and this was a gift from a listener this yarn was Um, and I'm really happy with it so it is a sport weight super wash yarn so it can be washed and dried but super wash yarns sometimes um, are so floppy that they don't really hold their shape very well and they mm. are really slippery sometimes. So if you, like they, your stitch, your stitches can fall off the needles. Like the needles can just like fall right out sometimes because the yarn is oh. so smooth. This is a little toothier. It's a little grabbier. So if I dropped a stitch, it didn't just like unravel. You know, like if I dropped a stitch, I could just like pick it right back up, which was nice. Um, but if I made a mistake, it wasn't so toothy that I like couldn't unravel it. So I feel like it's a really nice balance between... Um, something that is, you know, easy care, right? Like that's, that's why people want super wash yarns is that they're easy care, um, but uh, still functional. And so I feel like this 
if there ever was a type of um, yarn that would be good for like baby clothes or things that you knew Ooh. you were going to have to wash, this is the stuff That's... because it is mostly, uh, mostly wool. It's like 70, 75% wool, 25% nylon, I think. Oh, and nylon in this instance it'll be long wearing yeah yeah so that's great yeah but, but still it has good recovery yeah mm -hmm. i feel like i've actually never understood that because i'm not a knitter around superwash versus not superwash and i think that's kind of gotten a little bit in the way of me purchasing yarns as gifts for people because i don't know the application or how frustrating it can be sometimes mm. to work with stuff there's things i bought gifts for based on like people who are true knitters telling me like okay this is the pattern and the idea that it's supposed to go for but um that's a really interesting um assessment of it I also think not that we need to sign ourselves up for more things but maybe that's like a good thing to add on to Instagram is like our recommendations yeah like recommendations for baby clothes like that kind of stuff I just I feel like you've you've knit so many things that you're kind of like these are my favorites for these things yeah. versus these it's holiday season it's coming it is it's coming it is um so yeah so that's my finished thing and then i have two unfinished knitted things that i'll show you so to your point about second sock syndrome i had it for a really long time and i finally picked up the second sock of this i i know i've talked about this in the podcast before um this um, pinstripe sock that I am making. So the pinstripe sock pattern, I believe, is also a free pattern on Ravelry, and we will link it. Um, and again, I apologize. I'm out of practice. I do not remember the designer's name. But it's basically a, a sort of vanilla sock, but it has this little... What an adorable way of calling that sock vanilla. <laughs> it's plain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's like a very common Kinky. knitter's thing. Is it a common knitters thing? Yeah, well, like a know, vanilla it's... sock is a plain sock. I mean, the word vanilla works in many groups of people. Well, Anyways, continue. And I'll also say that, like, <laughs> as much as we call things vanilla and that means plain, like, vanilla is delicious. So. As my boyfriend Dave says, basic bitch is not bad. No. Bec obviously, people like it. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you want just something that's good and easy. And that's what Anyways, this is. Um, so this is the second one that I'm making, um, and the pattern, um, calls for an afterthought heel. So I am doing an afterthought. Well, it's, I guess it's not technically a true afterthought because I did plan it. <laughs> you have to plan where it goes. <laughs> this isn't murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I actually heard that this was called, um, a peasant heel because you planned it, but an after, a true afterthought heel would be. You just knit the sock as one big tube mm -hmm. and then bravely cut your knitting because you forgot oh. to put it. <laughs> oh, Woo. I would just rather walk on my tippy toes in a tube sock. Yeah. Like <laughs> pretty much like a Barbie foot. Like, boop. yep. Always on the tips. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so um, I, uh, I'm going to do an afterthought heel, especially because the yarn that I'm making this in is a self-striping yarn. Uh, it's the same yarn that I made your socks out of, Miranda. Yeah. Except that it's a different colorway. So this is um, Dye Mad Yarns Chester Sock. 
and this color is Fuck Your Binary. And it was from their um, Pride collection. So the socks I made for Miranda were You Can't Erase Me. And um, these ones are Fuck Your Binary. I love it. Um, so I also just love, I still just cannot get over the depths and the uh, available yarns to us that say so much and do things like there's people out there who don't knit at all and if they knew the layers of this onion of like (laughs) how much you can say fuck the patriarchy or fuck these gender norms and society standards with yarn it's a and the fact that it's a self-striping sock yarn like oh all the things yeah it's It's like a little indie dyed self-striping sock yarn and i will say um i I bought this yarn um, on a whim when we were in Wisconsin, I think over the summer. I think it was yeah, this it year. Was, wasn't it near Wapaka? Oh, it would be, it would have been. Um, or oh, is it Shauna? Early Sorry, spring. Again. It would have been early spring. And uh, I didn't know anything about the yarn maker or anything like that, but we just found it in this little, I think it was in Nina, Wisconsin. It, you're right, it was. Um, at a yeah. store called Fiber, um, which is an adorable store. I loved it. Um, and the yarn is really beautifully done. I mean, those stripes are, like, precise. They are really nice. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm super happy with that. So I am halfway done with it now. So I've knit the – I am a cuff-down, not a toe-up sock person. So <laughs> – Tore it from the floor. We have, I'm we sorry, have, I said to say it. We have, we have, you know, silly affiliations in the knitting world. Um, I've tried toe-up socks, and they are, the toes end up looking toe-up when I do them, and I just don't like it. So um, That was a great, I love all of this. It wasn't okay, great. Continue. It was a terrible joke. I shouldn't have said it, but, but I did. I'm really glad you did, though, because I need that. <laughs> I'm not a knitter, and so I just really admire that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um yeah, so I've knit it. I've knit the um, all the way to where I will put the heel, and then I probably have the same distance for the foot. Um, and then these will. I think um, we'll see how I feel about this, but I don't think I will struggle to finish the heels because the heels. Um, because I'm doing them as an afterthought heel instead of the way I normally do. Normally, I do a heel that's like. It's called a heel flap and gusset. So it's like a square or rectangular flap. And then you sort of knit two triangles down the side and meet it up with the front of the foot. And I like the way that fits my foot. Um, But with a self-striping yarn, it messes up all the stripes because you aren't going in a circle anymore. You're going back and forth on a short distance and it doesn't look as cute. So I made um, socks in self-striping yarn my preferred way before. And it does not take, it does not um, use the self-striping to its best effect. So I have seen photos of people who do afterthought heels and what it ends up looking like is like a bullseye on your heel. Like it, like Which basically. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's sort of like. Yeah. I like, it's a color blot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. That's very cool. That's what I'm going to try. And I'm going to try a different heel type than I have tried before. Because the, the other time that I've done the afterthought heel was with the, um kind of magic socks from Wool in the Gang that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't self-striping. That was self-patterning. And then they gave you like a contrast color to put in the heels and toes. 
So it didn't have a And I think the top it. ribbing too, I yes. think might have yes. started that way. So they were like embracing color blocking in yes. that versus Which is very a cute. striping arm. I it still is. love those. But yeah. the heel that they had you do was a really simple heel because they want they were trying to make it as um intro level to socks as you could possibly be. Like no sock is intro level, but this was the the kind of magic socks from Wool and the Gang is probably the closest thing you can get to that. And that that heel did not, it was not my favorite fit. It doesn't fit my foot the way that I love. So I'm going to try a different mm. one and we'll see how it goes. I love, again, just like it takes so many people to figure out other ways to do things. It takes creative people to figure out like this works, this doesn't work. And I just really love right now um, the emphasis on people repairing their clothes, making their clothes, and recognizing that there's more than one way to do something. And so I think like when it comes to like patterns, a lot of people are learning right now how to fit themselves. Um, and I think the same for knitting has to have have occurred because there's so many different ways to do heels. And there's so many other ways to like, is it toe up or cuff down? So like, it's one of those, um, I just love how many people have been able to like digest this problem and come out with a new product or find a new way to tell other people how to do it because yeah. clearly someone wants it to fit the way they want. There's gotta be enough people out there that we can all learn to do different things. So very cool. Yeah. I also feel like the magic socks and any of those kits from Wool and the Gang generally are great gifts as well. Sorry, yes. thinking ahead. I'm already thinking ahead of our gift episode that we try to roll with, but I feel like um, you just reminded me that that is a wonderful opportunity for people to look at. Absolutely. Anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then my final uh, work in progress that I will share that is knitting um, is this is uh, the Maya sweater from the most recent pom-pom. And I had a whole bunch of sweaters on my list to make, but then this magazine showed up and I was like, nope, changing everything, changing it up. Um, so I'll show you a picture of it. Basically, it's a colorwork sweater that has plain arms, but then the body um, looks kind of it's, like... It's like a leaf chevron. Yeah, and then yeah. I love the leaf look, and but also like the medallions at the bottom, those yeah. diamond medallions. I'm sorry, I'm I'm stealing your thunder. Continue. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm I'm you you can say all you want about it. I am really pleased with it. So it is um, as I mentioned, it is called the Maya M A I A pullover by Emma mm -hmm. Janet. There are like this particular um, issue of Pom 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 number forty two. Like the autumn issues for knitters are always like. The ones that the we get shit. so excited about. Yeah. But what is the same for fashion, right? Like the fall oh. is the time. It's a huge, those are the biggest up, uh, issues. Absolutely. That and but spring, this, early spring. Yeah. This issue, the sweaters, so many good sweaters. It also had that hat pattern that um, I'm still going to make. I'm going to make it one day. I just did make it with a different yarn. Anyway, so I am. Sorry, I feel like whoever is listening to my section of the recording is going to hear all of my paper ruffling. Um, my dog took a bath, so she's super 
I say take a bath. I gave her a bath and she is wild and my boyfriend's over. So her favorite person is here because, you know, I'm garbage and um, and I'm not her. So anyways, I'm just just like, dang it. You're going to hear a whole lot of intensity over here. That's what it's going to be. Sorry. It's what it's going to be. It is what it is. Um, okay. So continue. On so I'm about oh halfway my gosh, you've gotten... through the body. Well, when did you start that? Sometime this summer. This summer? Okay. It couldn't have been. Uh, it's an autumn issue. Late summer. Because I'm just like. It's November. Sorry, now. I was not, not ready bad. for you to show me 50% of the sweater. Sorry, everybody. We haven't recorded in a while, and I wasn't ready <laughs> to see it materialize in front of me. This is very um, It's quick. I saw the photo, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And here it is. Yeah, very cool. So what I'm, are you using? I'm using Plucky Knitter Cozy, which is one of my favorite sweater yarns. It's 90% wool, 10% baby camel. And it's wonderful. So soft. Um, so I've made a sweater in this already. Um, I will make however many more I can afford to buy the yarn for because it is so soft. I made a baby blanket out of it once um, because it is, again, an easy care yarn. Um, it's lovely. Uh, so the colors are um, Barn Door is this brick red that I'm using. And then the speckled, it's a gray speckle, but it has, it's a gray with a lot of like rust colors. It's kind mm -hmm. of grungy. It's called Sleepless in Seattle. Cute. Um, and I modified the pattern because I do not like um, the the original pattern calls for a rolled hem, um, like not a not a ribbed hem, a rolled hem. And I have made a rolled hem sweater before, and I do not love it. It kind of and the one that I made, I made actually in a non super wash yarn. I made it in a, a yarn where you should be able to like block it pretty well so the roll is really small and the roll still like wants to go up more so I thought with a, a wash a yarn that has super wash in it the blocking was really not gonna work it was just gonna roll if it wanted to and I was like I don't like that so I, I changed out the um, the bottom for a ribbing and that meant that I lost the little checkerboard bit at the bottom mm. that was supposed to be that rolled hem but I'm okay with that. I thought it would look kind of weird to have like a band of ribbing and then another band of something else and then the medallion starting. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm happy with how it's turning out. Um, the pattern itself is, is oversized. So I am trying to decide if I want to try to block it before I think I'm finished with it to find out how much it's gonna grow um, mm. before I decide how long to knit it. Because the other thing about this yarn, this sweater that is a challenge for me is that um, it'll be my first time steaking. And a steak. I don't even know what that is. Yes. Wow. So a steak is where you, um, you knit basically whatever piece you want to knit. And you know in advance that you want a hole to be someplace, but you don't really want to knit it that way because like, Knitting in the round is faster and all that, right? So instead of ever having to knit in the round, you just or knit and knit flat, you knit everything in the round, 
And then where you have the steaks, like the planned spots where you're going to cut, you cut. And then you pick up stitches and knit from sew there. Sew it together. So this has oh, a... Oh, sorry. I thought it was sew it together, but no, you knit. You pick up stitches and continue to knit. Yeah. Okay. My so mistake. this will be basically... Uh, initially, I will knit effectively a pillowcase. And then there is a neck steak and two sleeve steaks. And I am terrified <laughs> because I've never done it before. And cutting your knitting just feels so terrifying because you still have to like, you're, you secure it, but you still have to like stitch down your loose edges so they don't unravel. But you know that like things don't really unravel the way that people think they will. Right. It's not comical. It's no. just, it's just, you need to. You can't do this all like in a car. You need no. to do it on a table. Like you gotta, you just, one must plan these things. That's all. It's never this chaotic event. <laughs> no, but it feels like it, right? I mean, yeah, I'd feel that way. Yeah. I would absolutely feel that way. Um, so. Also, also, there is a fear of like a point of no return. Once yes. you cut it, there You can't is, just unravel it anymore. Yeah, you can't frog it and you can't um, change your mind. And oh, it's permanent. And I, I know, I know sewers already have this, right? Like this is what sewers, sewers uh, have to get over this very quickly. But knitters, no, <laughs> you, I, you could live your whole life being an extremely successful knitter and never cross that boundary ever. By choice. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I applaud your effort to try steaking, is that correct? Yes. Am I saying it right? Yes. Um, because it does sound terrifying. And I would not sign up for more points of no return. So <laughs> that's that's not how I'm rolling right now. Nope. Um, <laughs> but yeah. that's very cool. Like, for trying it. Like, look at you broadening your eyes. And, like, also, honestly, if it gets you to the point on a sweater where it's supposed to go then I can't wait to hear where else you can see this method be used effectively. Yeah. So it could turn to an advantage as far as like, even how do you fit stuff? I imagine like, that's the one thing that's hard about knitting for me is getting things to fit. Mm. Um, not so much for me, but like when I buy commercial sweaters or if I bought a hand knit sweater at a thrift store, or if you've made me something like certain Certain things I want hand-knitted, but if I'm buying, like, a secondhand sweater, I'm like, well, they made that for their body. So that's it. Like, either I have their body or I don't, and I accept that they don't fit right. But I'm curious to see if there's other applications for this. Other than, like, you were kind of – I'm curious if this is the same thing. When you cut your knitting to make a heel in a sock, is that also considered steaking? It or do they call be. that something else? They call it something else. Is it the same else, thing? But it should be. Yeah. Except that so it's not um, reinforced. So when you do a steak in a sweater, like you know where you're going to put it. Like mm -hmm. you know where your arm's supposed to go. So then you reinforce the edge like with crochet or with a sewing thread. Oh, okay. So that you have some security. But so you don't have to. Like, like if you like, if you use something like um, like a traditional Icelandic sweater, would be made with traditional Icelandic wool, and that grabs itself pretty well, so you wouldn't need to reinforce it necessarily. But that is okay. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for explaining that. I've never heard that term before. So that's very cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. Tell me about your works in progress or your finished objects. Oh my God. I'm going to crack a beer. So one second. Everyone on my side of the recording is just going to hear her flip floppy and <laughs> to be panting in the background because she's like, I ran upstairs. And then me opening this beer. Anyways, um, okay. So yeah, I have a couple of things that I'm working on right now. Um, I'll start with my finished project, which is, um, there's been kind of a lot of things that went on, but I decided to move. I bought a house last year, right? I think I've mentioned this before, and that's kind of taken up a lot of my creative energy to a degree and money and, um, <laughs> sanity. <laughs> and yeah, I've learned, I'm starting to understand that like, Hmm, I'm going to do this different next time. I got that. I got that. This house is wonderful. And I'm very happy to be here. And I am so bl- blessed, but stressed. And just, it is what it is. Oh, I was bring, hoping I'd Bring in the you... dialect, Brandon. We are blessed and stressed. And stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I am so blessed, but I remain stressed. Um, <laughs> anyways, so anyways, one of the things that I did before I moved into this house was I was trying to have a free yard sale. And I know that sounds weird, but I think I talked about it before. Did, basically... Yeah. I don't want anyone's money. I'm just like, come and take this shit. And also, I don't want to give more money to like our standard thrift store monopoly, which is a couple of different groups. And we don't need to say it. You all know what they are. Anyways, so I was like, come get some free stuff. You won't believe the price. Or actually, I said, here's my yard sale. You won't believe won't the prices. believe the prices is what I said. <laughs> and people did not believe the prices. And... um Bless them. I love, I'm so excited that everyone just like took my shit and got out of here. But in order to have it, I needed to make tables. I had, and I didn't want to go out and buy like a big uh, folding table. And when I think of folding tables, this is like such a culture shift that I've not realized until I had a yard sale. The majority of folding tables in this world now are plastic and um, they're really common and they're good. They last forever, but they're heavy. And I always think of like the folding tables made out of like MDF and veneer made with metal legs that are, I mean, metal legs are on both, but they're usually like eight feet long and they, they're at, uh, any church or any recreational center. Columbus hall. Yep. Yeah. Like they're just, they're big, they're heavy. Um, and they get destroyed by heat and water. (laughs) So hence I understand the plastic table necessity here. But anyways, I didn't want to go out and buy these tables because that just felt like a ton of money for things I didn't need. Everyone else is like, yeah, I just don't want it. And then a lot of people who've ran their vintage shops or, or like have done flea markets and stuff, they're like, just get some wood, get some plywood and some sawhorses. And I was like, duh, why didn't I think of that? So I'm at the lumber yard and I was like, I just need something thick and, but you know, pretty stable and true. So I could put all this free stuff on. And I was like, well, I don't want to buy something I'm just going to not want. So I splurged on a thick three quarters inch Baltic birch, um, eight by four, eight feet by four feet piece. And at the time, well, still at this time, I have a Volkswagen Golf. (laughs) And if you are putting the math together, there's no eight by four place inside of Volkswagen Golf. So I was like, what I want is to get this into like three chunks. So I kind of like laid it out so that I could have it. I, I had the lumber yard just do two rip cuts, like 
or I guess, I think they call them rip cuts or something like that, but it's, it's a rough cut to a certain degree. But if you go to a lumberyard, it's really nice. Don't go to Home Depot. Just don't hate yourself. Don't go to Home Depot. There's better options. There always is. So anyways, I was at this local lumberyard. They ran two cuts for me and, um, I put, I got some cheap saw horses, had my free sale. It was great. And then when I moved into this house, I ordered, um, legs from this place. I believe that is called, uh, the pin leg company or something. I don't know. It's supposed to be like mid-century modern legs or whatever. They're just like those pointed, very mm -hmm. specific legs. Anyways, you can get them in tons of colors and tons of heights and things like that. And I just went with some really basic ones, but when I moved in this house, I wanted to have a desk and I also wanted to have some other spaces to work like a craft area. So I took that same big piece of birch that had been cut into three pieces. I put table legs on everything. And over time, I realized now that I've lived in this house for a year that I didn't want my rooms to be separate where I did my work and my crafting. I wanted them all together. So I brought everything upstairs recently, um, which is like my second bedroom, but I'm now making my the first bedroom on the first floor. I've made that a full bedroom, you know, because our mom definitely needs a little bit more easy access to other areas of the house. Yeah. I don't want anyone on stairs if I can help it. But once I started realizing that I had all these tables up here, but I never finished them, like they were just kind of rough. And I was like, hmm, we can do better than this. I could do better. Yeah. So I, I did the whole 220 sanding. I bought general finishes, uh, flat out, uh, surface, uh, protectant. And I did like three rounds each, three coats, three sandings. And they're so smooth and lovely. And I'm so proud of you. I, me too, bitch. Oh my <laughs> God. The, the first two times I was like, this is not going to get smooth at all. And then actually it's better. They're better and better. And I, I've never finished anything myself that wasn't like dictated to me in a class, like whether in college or high school or, or with like someone else. And I actually just like read the instructions, surprise, surprise, and applied it with a good synthetic brush. And it's all water-based, so I wasn't too scared. And now I have this beautiful Baltic birch, a very, very light colored uh, wood, plywood. It's kind of, they call it the skateboard laminated layers. Like if you see the side of a skateboard, yeah. it's usually a Baltic birch, like lots of thin layers of stuff. That's the same thing I'm using, but it's just really strong. Um, so yeah, I've reassembled everything up here. And because of the pin legs I put on them, I actually put them a little inset so that when I put all my tables together, they can butt up against each other and not like, you know, yeah. hit legs. And so when needed, if I need something for like, maybe I need a quilt, um, something large, I need to like baste something or I else, or who knows what, wrapping gifts, I don't know. I can put all three of these tables back together to make an eight by four space that's lifted. And I think that's, that's just awesome. a lot easier than like working on the floor. Like I've always worked. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That is really cool. I was just thinking, cause I remember when you sent me the photo, it kind of looked like what you had a work table and an L desk. Cause of the mm -hmm. way you had it set up at that, in that time. And I thought that was really super clever to have something that was modular in that way. Yeah. It's modular. It's all the same quality of everything. So like nothing's an inch higher sure. or a half inch too low. And everything is um, 
you can see exactly from the grain lines, like what goes back to what. <laughs> so it's really nice. I really like it. They're really stable. They're also really, they're heavy, but it's great for like things like sewing machines, depending on what you're putting on them um, or other things that you're just like, I need to lay something out. I've, I feel like I've told everybody this before, but I work in denim and in the denim world, in our industry, we have a tendency to work on the floor because pants are big. Um, and we have a tendency to want to see everything together. So I have no problems with flexibility. I am always on the floor and it's totally fine. But there is some times where I was like, if this is my hobby and I want to do something, I don't want to be on the floor. And I have a dog at home. So it's not like I'm at work where I can lay stuff on the floor. I have a dog who loves to make her presence known and tip tap over all of my all things. Stuff. <laughs> And I have carpet in this house to a certain degree, like half of the, almost, actually more than half of the house is in carpet. And that's not my jam. I don't like, that's just like, it's a big hairball to me. And I don't like that for laying things down. So, so this is the closest way to raise the floor to me. I know everyone else is like, yeah, duh, tables. And I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm always on the floor. And I'm always like squatting, kneeling, doing something. And meanwhile, this is like my my compromise. So I'm really proud of myself. It took, yeah. it took a little bit more time and money than I expected. But it's done and everything just like feels and looks really nice. And it kind of gave me the confidence to want to like do other things. But I need to like slow my roll because I still have a lot of projects to do. So, but they're complete. They're done. And it took... It took like essentially, sorry, that sounded weird. This leather chair I'm sitting on is like making some noises. Um, it took me probably four days total because I just needed to have some wait time in between. That's not bad um, though. I thought you were going to say more than that because I don't, I don't know how long that stuff takes to dry. It takes about two hours per coat, but then the cure time is technically 21 days, but you can use light use from like seven to 10 days. So I couldn't use this stuff right away, but I could definitely like move them, touch them, that kind of thing. So it would took about four days though if I condensed everything. Like you could definitely get this done in a weekend if you have a much smaller project. I just had such a big, big piece, surface, eight yeah. by yeah, eight by four. And I don't know about you, but I touch surfaces and I don't like the idea of anything catching. So mm. I was sanding like crazy. So that's all me. But anyways, that's my big project that's done um the other two projects that I'm in progress on some of them have to wait a little bit um I just sent out my two sewing machines to get uh reconditioned mm. um I haven't used them in about two years and then one of them is a new I say new it's much younger <laughs> than the one that I have <laughs> I, the new, one it's I, young <laughs> it's young um and I honestly don't know how much Grandma Marge used it, but the main sewing machine I've used all throughout my career um, and in college and just at home, my daily, it's like my daily driver beer um, is this 1980 new home machine that my mom, or my mom, our mom had. And she let me have that to go to college with. And then when she, I guess she said I could borrow it. But then when I came back, I was like, I still want to keep it. And she was like, Fine. So she bought herself another one, and I think you have that. I now, have it but, now, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> she's like, but, I don't actually enjoy sewing. I don't know why I did this. <laughs> I know. I was like, just because you gave one away doesn't mean you need to re backfill it. But the other one I have is like a brother, and I'm not sure what year it is or anything, but it was from our grandmother, and 
it was, I want to say, it's still a plastic body on it, so over like a metal base. So I think this is probably mid, mid, you know, 2000, so like 2006, 2008 or something. But the point is, is that it got left in a garage for a number of years, and I just don't know what that dust is like there. I don't know the environment or anything. And uh, so it was uh, interesting when I sent them out to get conditioned because they got two different prices for them based on their, it's more expensive for the brother because it's got more of a uh, processing, um, like a computer on it versus the other one I have is just purely mechanical. So um, that was kind of interesting. But I am excited to get those back because I have some projects I'm going to talk about later. Um, the ones that I'm hoping to start once I get that back is I'm making a enamel pin banner. So if you're really into enamel pins or you collect pins and you're like me and you're like, I can't put them on everything. Also, sometimes I love them for whatever reason and I just don't want to wear them because they fall off all the time or whatever. Um, my boyfriend Dave loves certain ones, but he's just not a flare person. Let's just say that. He doesn't wear 20 pieces of flare when he goes out. So he mentioned like, oh, I'd love a way to display this, like maybe like a banner. And mm -hmm. I was like, dude, yes. So I'm currently in the process of finding some wool felt that will agree with his color situation. Co color and scheme. Uh, Color scheme. And uh, I'm making kind of a wider banner because I want it to have plenty of room for different things. Um, but I thought that was like a kind of a sweet gift. I yeah, saw I've never, some of them. Have you heard of anything like that before? I haven't. I've seen people put things on like they had a scarf that they're just like hanging in and they put it down there mm. or like or other. I had a types friend of things, who used but... to put they weren't she didn't put enamel pins on, but she put um, like those little band buttons, like those little one inch. Oh, yeah. Buttons. Yeah. Uh, she would put them on her shower curtain. Oh, that's actually really cute. Yeah. With the exception of rust. Well, Very I mean, cute. she had like the <laughs> liner on the inside and the fabric on the outside. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking it's also, it's kind of up there with like a lot of people when they have earrings and you want to put them on something like wool is a really, wool felt is an incredible, very uh, flexible material to like hang anything off of. But I kind of love this idea that it could be like a display, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll be posting photos of that once I have that put together. He wanted something that kind of like could roll like a scroll. And I'm like, I don't know if we have that many pins, babe. Well, and I also we'll don't know it. how that would work with the backs, right? Because like if it's a little one inch button type thing, then it's it's flat on the back. But a lot of my enamel pins are posts. Yeah. And I would worry so, that things would get caught and then like pull themselves off or whatever. I think he wanted additional space. Sure. So like he could he could unroll it more. But I'm like, let's see what we got. Let's see. <laughs> So I'm, I'm working on that one, um, sourcing that stuff. And then the other thing I'm working on is also wool felt, which is a tree skirt that you and I had started, oh my God, two winters ago? It was a long time ago. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, I still have all of it. And now that I have these tables up here, I can lay it out <laughs> and not on the that, floor. <laughs> we were on the floor. We here. were. We, we were, were to we were a degree. partially on my table and then sometimes on the floor because, yeah. Yep. It was so wide as far as a circle is. Yep. So like as far as a tree skirt, you know, so um, I'm excited that I have enough space now to like really put it out, 
trace it, make sure I have like the right space for it. So hoping I can get it done by Christmas. We'll find out. No pressure. But, yeah. But that's we're, kind of... We're clearly are... not in a rush for that skirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I am excited about but, it because I think it'll be beautiful. I th- I'm really pleased with like the colors that we chose and the style that we chose. I think it's great. So... Absolutely. I'm very happy with it. Yay. So yeah, those are my works in progress right now that I can think of. So uh, <laughs> more to come, but those are the big ones. Awesome. Well, uh, do you have a gold star that you would like to distribute? I, I would. Um, I personally really want to give my gold star to Dr. Willie's sewing machine repair and nice sharpening. I know it sounds like sometimes we were really like, oh, you should check out this account on Instagram or this or whatever. This guy's not on Instagram. He is barely on Google. Um, but this is, it's one of those moments I had where I wouldn't trust reviews on Google or Yelp. I want to know from other people who are active in a craft world who they trust to sharpen and balance their scissors or who they trust to recondition and repair their machines. And Dr. Willie, he's a guy in a strip mall in uh, Crystal, Minnesota, which is like, it's just north of Minneapolis. It's kind of like Golden Valley Crystal. And all of my friends are like, you got to go to him. And can't argue. Persnick- you can't argue with that. And so when I went to his shop, one, he saw me from out in the parking lot. He saw me and opened the door like, you need help? And I was like, bless you. Because taking stuff, I used to work at a fabric store and people would bring in their sewing machines all the time to get repaired. But no one's there to help you. No one's asking questions. You just drop it off and pray. And this guy was so personable, wanted to just double check that he understood my my requests. And then on top of that, he does do knife and um uh, scissor sharpening yep. and stuff but I just trust now that I was like oh you you care quite a lot about these things I can tell like I'm not afraid to give you some of my nicer pairs of scissors there's a lot of people that I'm like I don't know you <laughs> I don't know you and I don't know if you know what you need to do here you don't just make them sharp they have to be honed they mm-hmm. need to be like all these things anyways um I've yet to pick up my scissors and my machines but the point was is that so many other people really respect this guy and he was so funny when I walked in because he was like, so uh, would you like a job repairing sewing machines? And I was like, you must ask everybody this because he's over it. But that means he's really good. And when you call, because you have to call before you go, he'll tell you. He's like, sorry, I'm going to be busy for two weeks. You can leave a message, but I ain't taking no more machines until two weeks from now. And I was like, wow, I got to call him at the right time. He says what day you can call. And all of us wait, and then we call him, and he's like, yeah, I'll take them. And then he's like, now i got to close the books again. i got to lock the store. <laughs> all this stuff. He doesn't let anyone just walk in. And I was like, talk about boundaries. I love this guy. Um, but his repairs were really um, – repairs and his services were really um, not expensive at all, especially after coming from Los Angeles where – there's a lot of sewing machine repair places out there because of the industry. Sure. So a lot of people are super good with it, but his were very, very competitive. And then on top of that, if you love secondhand things, maybe you want to buy a serger or you want to buy a special machine that you're like, I really don't want to pay out of the box um, prices for. He's your dude. He's selling stuff too. So I kind of was like, I can't wait to walk back through here 
maybe consider buying a serger. Maybe those are all things I've thought about for years. Yeah, I was going to say, and I just, you and a serger have been trying to make a connection <laughs> for oh, so long. So long. <laughs> so long. A serger or a pearl. I'm not sure, but like, I was just like, oh my God. And he's got so many. And he also like has a lot of vintage machines. So if you really love it, a certain aesthetic, he's got that. But I just really love that he had this place for it. And I would trust absolutely that everything would work. My also my favorite thing is on the post-it notes for his prices. He wrote he always writes free lesson included. That's so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. And I, I say cute, but also just yay. Nice, yeah. Like sometimes when you enter the craft world, it is really, really overwhelming. And it could be a lot and that it could scare you away from trying stuff. But was someone saying like, I'll show you how or this is something that you can bring back to me if you're not sure. That's, it's kind of hard to find now. So I sure. really thought that Dr. Willie's uh, sewing machine and sharpening services were worth the time. So look for someone local, talk to all the people in your craft world about who they go to. I know that that's like obvious, but if you're kind of a lone crafter and you're just getting into something or you're uncertain, it can't hurt to to look around and then talk to people at the stores that you go to or, you know, because this guy, I can't, I only knew to look for Dr. Willie's online, like from someone else telling me his name. If I looked up sewing machine repair, a lot of other things showed up. So it was one of those things that I'm really glad I had that. Awesome. So that's my gold star. Cool. What's yours? So mine is... Um a class that I am taking, um, it's a two-part class, so it's not like a semester-long class or anything, but um, my friend Marie um, found a class, which is hilariously taught by another person that I know from work, Jenny, um, that is called Linicut Printing for Beginners in the End Times. For beginners in the end times? I love that. Also, the image is amazing of... Oh, that's it's like a zine yes so this is the instruction book um <gasps> and it comes with one of her linicut prints on the front on it and it's beautiful it's, it's she's super really good jenny is very good is, i knew this already because that's very i cool. can't remember how i knew this but i think i'd gone to some place and um I saw something of hers and I was like, oh my God, that's Jenny. I work with Jenny. Um, and then I went on her website and I bought a piece that I gave to Pat for Christmas or his birthday a couple of years ago. That's like a rabbit with a cigarette coming out of its mouth. And it's got a thought or a speech bubble that says, dick move, friend, um, <laughs> which just seemed so pat to me. Um, so yeah, Marie found that Jenny was teaching this class at the Iowa City Press Co-op. And so uh, we started last night, and last night we started with, um, what's it called? Um, Innovart EcoCarve. Um, but it's basically like a rubbery mat. It's like a linoleum. Yeah, except this, is, so linoleum is what people who I think do proper linocut like as mm -hmm. professionals, as artists, they use um, linoleum. This is not linoleum. This is like a, it's almost like a rubber stamp material. Yeah, but it's still carvable. Yeah, it's totally carvable. And um, 
we got to. But it might just not have the longevity, the line of cut. Probably not. Um, But you get to learn the how to. Yeah, and it's thick enough that you can carve on both sides. So um, Nice. And then we got sent home with the carving tools because um, we had enough time last night to try carving our initial ideas. But some of us realized, like partway through, some of us, like me, that the thing they wanted to carve, they hadn't properly thought about how you invert it. Oh, I, I was about to say it's the it's the black and white like the yeah I had it's thought hard about, to I had thought about, about the fact that it would be mirrored so I didn't pick anything with text but other people had stuff with text and they you know figured it out and that was fine but I had not thought through the process of the that inversion right it's like a photo yeah. negative what and, will print versus not yeah yeah with your, so your I'm okay space. with what I have it'll be very very simple um, but I'm glad that I have this stuff now at home so that I can sort of decide um, if I want to try something different um, or give myself a little more time to play around with it. But anyway, so yesterday was the class where we started the carving and then next week is when we will do the printing. Um, And I'm just, I'm really, really excited. Um, It's not a thing that I foresee myself getting great at because Miranda knows this. I am terrible at drawing like freehand drawing I'm terrible <laughs> like we were supposed to come to the class with a sketch or a printout of what we wanted to put on and I tried sketching from something like I had something on my computer screen and I was like well I'll just sketch it and see how that goes fucking terrible like truly truly terrible every <laughs> single thing and I do mean every <laughs> single thing I tried I was like this is bad and at first I was like oh I just have to like you know try a little more like relax a little bit no that was not no so instead I ended up um going there and then getting like my phone out and like putting tracing paper on the phone and then doing carbon paper yeah but however you do it you do it yeah and I think what's really important is just knowing that there's so many ways to get there yeah. I mean, not to bring it all the way back to the start of this episode, but basically you're not the first person to struggle. No. Not by a so. long shot. Um, so I'm really excited about um, kind of uh, the other thing that I'm excited about is the fact that the class itself, like um, the materials that are included in the class are the, the blocks that you're going to make yourself and then paper. But she was like, you guys should bring whatever it is you want to print. Like, do you want to print tea towels? Do you want to print I was about to say, you fabric should do a napkins? Whatever. Yeah. yeah, like any like fabric, like bring all different kinds of stuff and just see what you think is fun. So, um, so I'm probably going to do that. I have some t-shirts that, uh, I don't really need, like Pat just cleaned out a whole bunch of his old t-shirts, his old like American apparel t-shirts. So like good quality, but like mm-hmm. he doesn't want them. So why not? Might as well. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I saw a book yesterday at um Knit and Bolt, one of my favorite stores I love that. here. That's at, a really cute shop. It's a great, great sewing and knitting store. And it was a book on block printing, like the basics of block printing. And I like held it in my hands and I was like, why do I want this? And I was like, oh, because Ireland is taking a lino cut class. Yes. I was like, okay. So like the idea of textile printing and I was like, why am I touching this? Like, I'm just been a little weird recently, you know, for multiple reasons. And I was like, why am I holding this? I was like, oh, that's right. She's doing, she's doing printing. But that's also like 
I love, love, love prints in general. I love printmaking. It was a big part of my life for a really long time. So I, I just love that you're learning this method because it is, I mean, that and woodblock are really, really old and wonderful. And you can also do this on potatoes. You can do this on um, tons of other things, you know, like it's just, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad that you're trying it. I think sometimes I get so worked up about how I need to execute something that I never get started. And so... Oh, if I had been I, given that option last night, I wouldn't have. But I knew, especially because I was the only person in the class who um, did not bring something with them, like a piece of paper with them that they were going to use, um, I knew that I had to commit to something because it wasn't going to... I wasn't going to have a way out. You know, the right. money was gone. <laughs> My time was gone. I was there already. Um, but, you know, but I love that. I, I, I miss having a rookie mindset. I really miss it sometimes because there's some, there's really great joy in learning and trying and not thinking that everything is precious. Must be precious. So, must work. Yeah. And so like sometimes just getting the, the hang of something is more important than anything. So, um, Oh my God, I can't wait to see what you make. Very cool that this class is offered. <laughs> oh, this is very cool. Great gold star. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So um, thanks everyone for your patience. I know it's been a super long time, but we are really excited to be talking with each other about crafts again. Um, yes. And it's coming up on the, the snuggly season and the giving season, which we love. <laughs> and it leads right into... <laughs> all the best, you know, holiday gift giving times. It leads us into the, like, winter is my favoriteest season. So it's leading us into thinking, like, eventually about our Valentine's gift. I right? Like, it's... Amen. I'm very excited. <laughs> Valentine's Day gets me through the winter. I think <laughs> other people are like, ew, Valentine's Day. But it is our favorite family holiday. But it's one of those things where, like, it brings joy to people when... They're thinking about taxes. So <laughs> fuck it. Like, let's do this, people. Or they're tired of, you know, digging their car out of snow. I yep. get that. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk to y'all soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.